0: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.
1: Welcome back to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio. Serious XM Channel 80 and your smart speakers It is Field Yates and 10-year NFL wide receiver Harry Douglas hanging out with you and filling in for the guys this morning. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. And all guests join us on the Good Year Hotline. So Harry, we we're talking about John Madden all morning in the legacy that he leaves, the impact he had on the game, the incredible influence that he had on so many people, how he'll be remembered, not just as a coach, a player before that, a broadcaster, a video game tycoon. One thing that's clear, though, in recalling his memory, Harry, is that he loved what he did, and he had incredible support behind him. And during his Hall of Fame speech in 2006... John Madden brought up the impact that his family had had on his life.
2: If there was a Hall of Fame for for families, my family would be in the Hall of Fame. My wife Virginia, my two sons Joe and Mike. Uh, you know, they talk about about how hard coaches work. You know, and they work eighteen, twenty hours a day. They sleep on a the couch. They don't come home, and you know, That's not the hard job. The hard job is the coach's wife, believe me. The job of the coach's wife is she has to be mother, father, driver, doctor, nurse, coach, everything, because the coach is out there working. So, you know, when anyone is appreciated, they have to appreciate the wife, and I had the greatest, and I have the greatest in Virginia. Thank you.
1: Great stuff there, Harry. And if you think about the role that wives of coaches can play in the world of the NFL, I thought John summed it up perfectly. You know, you and I are both married men, and certainly feel as though our wives are our rocks. And it's so clear how much his family propelled and allowed John Madden to become the person that he was. Because you need a backbone like that to endure the career that he did.
3: Feel one hundred percent. And and I want to give uh, send my condolences to Miss uh, Virginia Madden because. She is the rock of the family, right? She holds everything down. She allowed him to be able to be great and be himself. She shared him with so many people across the world, right? And um, it's one of the things I think get gets lost when it comes to coaches, players, um, people who spend a lot of time uh, at their workplace. Is that the people back home, right? Especially the wives, being the rock of the family, holding things down, and like John Madden mentioned. They're the doctor, they're mommy. Sometimes they have to be daddy um, because when you're in tune and intact in what you're doing and you want to be great, you have to focus, and it takes that level of focus as well. So that's why I want to take this moment to give her a major shout-out and send my condolences to her because without her blessings, I don't know if John Madden would have been John Madden because she made home a safe haven for him and gave him an avenue to be himself and shared him with so many more, um, she could have easily been selfish and said, you know what? No, I want you here with me. But that's not what she did. She knew he would be happy doing what he was doing. She allowed that to transpire. She supported him 100%. And I'm telling you, man, these wives out here, these coaches' wives, they deserve the utmost respect because they endure a lot. And when I mean a lot, a lot. Phil, even with us being in the media world, right, Um, there's times, and you you have a baby that's about to be born, and I have two kids right now. Right now I'm in Miami and I'm doing this show. So my wife has to be back home with the kids. So the wives, I want to give a major shout-out to them, and particularly I want to give a shout-out to Virginia Madden because she is amazing. She is the hero of that family because she allowed John Madden to be great
1: earlier we had Peter King from NBC Sports join us on the show, and he was talking about the time in which he rode across the country on John Madden's bus, which became legendary and iconic as John had a fear of flying. So when he was broadcasting games, he couldn't just show up the day before. It was basically from the time the football season started until the time the football season was over, he was on the road going to games, preparing for games, studying for games, and just another way in which the support of his family allowed him to become the icon that he was, Harry. I've really enjoyed reading this piece uh, done by Ryan Hawkinsmith on ESPN.com, and it was originally published back in April. It has been subsequently republished after the passing last night at 85 years old of John Madden, who died unexpectedly, Uh, No immediate cause of death has been released. Harry, there are so many nuggets about it that are just unbelievable to reread and recall. And to pivot to just how much stature John Madden had, how about this? Uh, We talked about how John Madden broadcasted 11 Super Bowls. He did so on four different networks. John Madden, at one point, moved to CBS Sports. And he was so prestigious in his field that his contract with CBS Sports paid him, uh, with Fox, with Fox when he moved from CBS Sports, paid him more than any other player in the NFL was making at that time. Think about that. That just speaks to how much, and not that he did it for the money, but just to give you a picture about how much he meant to the world of broadcasting and how iconic his voice was with that league that's how valuable he was. Can you imagine that?
3: That that says a lot. That says a lot about him. That says a lot about how he prepared within his craft. It says a lot about how he delivered things. Um, it also says about how he made things easier for everyone around the world to be able to understand what was going on on the football field. And, Phil, listen, I'm never going to shy away by, and and, and, and by, by saying this. He deserved every single penny that he made rightfully so he deserved every bit of it yep and he just got compensated for being great and great there's a price for being great that's all that's the best way i can put it
1: yeah and this is actually funny and reflecting upon all these great nuggets and one of them going back to the bus here is back in the mid 1980s there was this crazy week in which john madden had to broadcast a game in atlanta on sunday he had to do a show in las vegas in middle in the middle of the week and then another game in Washington D.C. on Sunday, so a seven-day stretch that took him from the East Coast to the West Coast, back to the East Coast, and they really couldn't bus. find a schedule in which you get on trains and cars. So it pulled some strings together and found a way to get access to Dolly Parton's tour bus for a week. He loved it. <laughs> CBS loved it. The next thing you know, the Madden Cruiser was born. That is just remarkable, (laughs) the way that everything came together for John Madden, who has been the topic of our show all morning, and somebody that I really do believe this, Harry. I think if you were to ask the average individual, and you ask that person, do you know the following names? Lombardi, Brady, Madden, Belichick. Those are the kind of names that would also be in the same tier as John Madden. right? The names that are in terms of recognizability. The man in Vince Lombardi who we named the Super Bowl trophy after. Tom Brady, the greatest player to ever play. We also have Bill Belichick, the greatest coach to ever coach. John Madden is in that breath. That's the kind of cachet that he carried.
3: Yes, he did 100% feel. like, Like I mentioned earlier, legacy. Legacy, legacy, legacy. Your legacy means everything. How you impact people means everything. What you do for people, especially when they can never repay you, means everything, Phil. Yep. That was John Madden.
1: For more on the legacy of John Madden, we want to hear from you. And it's time now for us to visit the Dr. Pepper Collin line. This is Coach in California. What do you got?
0: Hey, you guys. Uh, this is uh, Coach from California, and I'm uh, a little bit older than uh you Yates, seeing you, Harry, but uh, uh, Coach Madden was a true inno- innovator, and I like to see the NFL um, do a uh, do an innovation award for him, um, him and actually Bill Walsh. Period, two uh, two Bay Area guys. So having grown up and uh, gone to all of the Raider camps uh, as I was uh, when I was young, and um, going way back to. The old days of Joe and Monica, and then coming all the way up until presently now, um, which makes it a lot tougher for us because everything that's starting in Vegas had happened in Oakland. And so uh, I would like to see that dedication made to uh, John Madden because he was a true innovator.
1: It's a great thought there, Coach. And we appreciate the call here and to on Jay Will, and Max. Interesting thought there, Harry. Is there a way, like, I think some would say that John Madden has been honored or is honored daily because of his own legacy? Is there a way that the NFL could take it a step further and pay homage to who John Madden is? Like, I don't know about, uh, you know, renaming any trophy because so many of the NFL's awards do not have a name already. But I wonder if there's a way that the NFL will find to weave John Madden's name back into the fabric even more.
3: They should be able to figure it out, and I got a question. So it, it, with the Raiders, um, I wouldn't be mad at them building John Madden a statue. Mm. I think he deserves it. That's not a bad I, idea. I think he one hundred percent deserves it.
1: Yeah, he is one of the greatest icons in Raiders history. Obviously, Al Davis yeah. is probably the signature icon in that franchise's history, but there are certainly many who think of John Ra- John Gruden. Excuse me, John Madden and the Raiders. I helped them to a Super Bowl, a wonderful career as a head coach, and then several other chapters, including a broadcaster and, of course, a video game tycoon. Uh, We mentioned that the football world was hit hard twice yesterday as we lost not just John Madden, but also a colleague and beloved friend here at ESPN and ESPN Radio. Uh, Jeff Dickerson was our ESPN NFL Nation Chicago Bears reporter. Chicago is where he was born and raised. He went to the University of Illinois, incredibly well-known to anybody in the Chicago area, uh, and a frequent contributor and host here on ESPN Radio. And he succumbed to his battle with colon cancer yesterday at 44 years old. Incredibly sad news in and of itself, only compounded by the fact that his wife, Lost her battle to lymphoma back in two thousand and nineteen. We're all hurting hard here this morning, thinking about j d Harry and beyond being an excellent reporter and friend and colleague in person, he's also a father to an eleven year old Parker and it's unfathomable to think about an eleven year old having to endure pain twice in such a short period of time.
3: yeah, and you know he loved his son more than anything in this world um and my condolences are to his family and his son. And I just want to tell his son, remain strong, um, and 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 lean on whoever you need to lean on. Or if you need to, you need time. You need to take time away from things. Do so because I, I think it's. I think if you need it, you 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 should do it. And it's just a sad sad story to to see a young man lose both of his parents. I only want to imagine what that's like. But this young man has to go through that, and the world, the, uh, everybody around uh, needs to support him and help him along the way.
1: If you're looking for an opportunity to help make Parker's path a little bit easier, there has been a GoFundMe set up. I have it on my Twitter page, at Field Yates, if you want to go make a contribution to Parker. And we're certainly never going to forget Jeff Dickerson, somebody whose legacy will be remembered here at ESPN, also ESPN Radio. There's really no easy way to move on from somebody like that who made such a great, great impact on us. But we are going to try to do a little take your pick here. And, Evan, you're going to help us out. What do you got?
0: You've got questions, and we've got options. Take your pick.
4: We ready? All right, here we go. Guy's going to play take your pick. and we're Let's going to, do it. We're going to have you guys pick quarterbacks you take going forward. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's going forward like for the, for the you know, Long-term future, it could be a couple years. You'll see as we move along. But we'll do start with this one. Trey Lance might get his first start this weekend. So Trey Lance, Justin Fields, who are you taking uh, as your quarterback to start your franchise? Harry, start with you.
3: Um, so this one is a little tricky. Evan, I'll be honest. This is tricky. And a lot of people will say Justin Fields. But the, thing, the reason why I'm not going to choose Justin Fields is because I don't even know who his coach is going to be. I don't know how they're going to... Uh, groom him and, and, and allow him to grow to be great. So those are still question marks. With Trey Lance, we do know Cal Shanahan and that offensive system. Uh, he can thrive in that. Um, he just has to grow into it. So I'm going to take Trey Lance right now.
1: So let me start by something. And this is not the way that you sell on radio, right? Radio is when you get the take that everybody wants to disagree with or agree with. <laughs> I'm trying to be a little more even-keeled here. That's just the way that I roll. <laughs> I will take Trey Lance though for the exact reason that you just highlighted is that what we have seen in the NFL is that situation matters so 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 much. Right now, the best rookie quarterback, really by far this season, has been Mac Jones, even if he's been a little bit in a slump recently. Mac mm-hmm. Jones is a good really good player obviously and was a really talented guy coming out of the draft. He also went to the best set of circumstances, easily the best roster, and easily the best coaching staff and support around him. That's going to pay huge dividends for Mac Jones going forward. I just have no idea what's going to happen in Chicago next year. We don't know who (laughs) the coach is going to be. We don't know who the general manager is going to be. We don't know who the offensive lineman will be. There are so many more questions and answers right now in Chicago. Trey Lance has more systematic support around him than – I think anybody else, or excuse me, than Justin Fields does right now in Chicago.
4: All right, Lamar Jackson's won an MVP for a lot of this season. Kyler Murray was the favorite to be the MVP. So going forward, Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, who are you taking?
3: I'm taking Lamar Jackson because the simple fact that I think Lamar Jackson is a leader. Um, He's already been an MVP. He doesn't have bad body language on a consistent basis. Uh, I think he has a better team around him. We've seen this team Uh, the Baltimore Ravens be depleted this year, but they they, they leaned on the back of Lamar Jackson. We know he can handle the pressure and take that pressure of putting the team on his back. Kyler Murray, uh, right now down the season, he's starting to fade away. So I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson with this one. Plus, he's a Louisville alum. Need I say say more? Of course you're going to go with the Louisville guy. But I am as well, (laughs) and here's the reason why, is –
1: so I think both of them have a notable hole on their resume that we're trying to fill out which is that neither of them has or I should say that they, they need to win bigger in the playoffs right We know that's something yep. that has eluded the Ravens to great success so far uh, but they may get there but with Kyler you got they're, they're gonna get there they're there this year obviously um, but they got to do more damage they got to do some damage in the postseason I think though Harry that Lamar this year, During a five or six game stretch, like did as much as we've seen a quarterback do in quite some time, given the circumstances around him. That roster was so depleted and so young on offense at so many key spots. Lamar's brilliance was perhaps overlooked in some ways. So I do believe that Lamar Jackson is the answer here. Uh, I don't know that it's one of those like if I be like a 60-40, maybe a 70-30 debate as opposed to a 90-10. But I think it's Lamar Jackson. Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson? We saw these top two
4: picks play each other this weekend. You could argue one outplayed the other. I won't say which one I thought outplayed which one, but (laughs) Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence Field, who are you taking going forward?
1: I'm still going to stick with Trevor Lawrence, and I understand that this year it's close to a toss-up in terms of who has been the more effective player. Uh, Zach Wilson missed some time due to the injury. I would say, though, that... Trevor Lawrence's season has been underwhelming relative to what I thought it was going to be. Like, I don't know if it's worst case scenario, but I definitely didn't think that he would have nine touchdown passes 17 weeks into the season. I'll go with Trevor Lawrence, and I'm going to bank on the possibility of him having a much better offensive system in place. We were talking about this earlier with Trey Lance and Justin Fields. Hopefully there is much more support around Trevor Lawrence this upcoming season. I'll go with Trevor, but... Um, Zach has done some good things recently for the Jets, and there have been some recent signs, including this past week when he had a 52-yard touchdown run, that that playmaking ability we saw at BYU could soon translate in a major way at the NFL level. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I love it, Phil. I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence as well. Uh, he was the number one draft pick for a reason. I love his upside. I think he's a guy who can do it with his arm. He can do it with his legs. He he has the intelligence to play the game at that position. Um, and he has a little little, little bravado to himself t- as well. He understands that he is that guy. I know he has a lot of interceptions this year, but my goodness, his brain has been clouded. he got to worry about this with his head coach, that with his head coach, all kind of nonsense with his head coach once they get the right leader of men. And a offensive guy in there who can who can allow Trevor Lawrence to be great. I think he's going to extend, and I think a, a lot of people are going to forget everything that happened this year. So I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence.
4: All right, Joe Burrow is coming off a career day. Justin Herbert had a incredible rookie season. So from the 2020 draft class, who are you taking going forward? Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert,
3: Harry? Surprisingly, I'm going to take Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert has the the better upside, and I understand Joey B. Right now, he's playing a, a good brand of football. I'm going to take Justin Herbert though because I believe he can make throws that we only see from Aaron Rodgers and and uh, Patrick Mahomes. I think he has those those intangibles. I don't think he has a outstanding offensive line either. So I'm going to go with Justin Herbert. I'm going
1: to go with Justin Herbert as well. This was extremely close. Justin Herbert has been less consistent than Joe Burrow this season. He's had some down moments that have been befuddling. I do think the upside is slightly higher, though, for Justin Herbert, who's so good on these second reaction plays, a guy who just finds a way to do something marvelous every single week. But I'm actually not worried about the marvelous moments going forward. I want the consistent moments going forward. But give me Justin Herbert.
4: All right, college teammates here. are playing pretty well right now in the NFL. Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa. Field, who are you taking going forward? I'm take taking six.
1: Jalen Hurts. who I just think as a potentially dynamic do threat quarterback, he's been so good with his legs this year, and obviously developing as a passer as well. A little bit better on balls down the field. Give me Jalen Hurts.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna take Jalen Hurts as well. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts is just a better quarterback. He can do it with this his legs. He can do it with his arm. Got to be more consistent there, though. But I think he had that. He was coached by by his, his coach. So. He has the intangibles to be great. He just got to put it all together. But I'm going to take Jalen Hurts.
4: All right. There's two quarterbacks. Might be on the trade bl- trade block this offseason. Derek Carr, Russell Wilson. Sofield, Field, if you're the GM of a team that needs a quarterback, which one are you taking?
1: Yeah, It's still Russell Wilson. And I understand that his season has been a major downer this year, just 2,500 passing yards. But I think Russell Wilson's body of work, resume, skill set, all those supersede Derek Carr, who's a solid, solid player. But Russell Wilson is the pick. And the contract, I know it sounds big right now, but I think Russell Wilson's going to be worth every penny. This has been an outlier season.
3: Yeah, I'm taking Russell Wilson as well, a guy who's been consistent since the moment he stepped foot into the NFL, um, into the Seahawks organization. And I don't even think it's close when it comes to this. I think Russell Wilson, we've seen how many holes got filled when he wasn't playing for the Seattle Seahawks. I think he's that great. I think he throws the best deep ball in the NFL still to this day. It's like a little rainbow with Skittles dropping down. Marshawn Lynch, <laughs> he loves those Skittles. So I'm going to go with Russell Wilson.
1: All right, and there you have it. Our game of Take Your Pick has concluded. Harry's picks were all correct. Mine we shall see one day down the road. All right, so we go from the NFL to college football and one Alabama quarterback who accomplished something Tua and Jalen could not.
5: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P com, slash, unsportsmanlike. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any.
1: Cincinnati is fourth, the first group of five team to make the playoff, and they'll meet number one, Alabama. In the other, it'll be second-ranked Michigan and number three, Georgia. SportsCenter is brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Try the $45 silver unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless with nationwide 5G and America's best network. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G capable device required. Actual availability, availability, coverage, and speed may vary. And it's time now for us to head out to the Goodyear hotline brought to you by Goodyear, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear, more driven. And we say hello to somebody that everybody knows and needs really no introduction. She is the host of NFL Live. She is the host of FCC Nation. You wake up one morning and you see her talking about pro football. The next day, talking about college football. You saw her on Monday night at the sidelines for Saints in Dalvin. She is the great Laura Rutledge. Laura, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing great and better that we have you on the show. And this week, you're pulling double duty, as we said. NFL on Monday, and now you're getting ready for the big games on Friday, specifically the Alabama and Cincinnati game. Laura and Alabama, maybe the number one team in the polls, But their linebacker, Will Anderson, perhaps the best player in the country, told reporters on Monday he feels like the Tide are somehow underdogs in their game against Cincinnati. Uh, Why do you think that's their mindset heading into this matchup after such a dominating finish to their season against Georgia?
6: I really think they believe that that's the case field. I mean, it's just it's so interesting because, listen, I know it sounds crazy and they know they're really good, right? But this entire season I think is more the reason why they feel that way because every step of the way it's been, well, Alabama didn't win by enough or Alabama didn't look good or they lost to the Texas A&M or they should have lost the Iron Bowl. And it really wasn't until the SEC championship game where we really saw them come out there in dominant fashion against a Georgia team that had been the best team in the country the entire year for the most part for them to do what they did against Georgia. I I don't know how they could look at that and say that they're still underdogs, but in their minds, it's more about the collective body of work and how people looked at them. And and listen, like, let's be real here. And and my friend, Marcus Spears, you alls friend too, said this the other day, there's no way they feel like they're the underdog. And I get that. But I think for them, it's more about they almost feel they have to believe it. They almost feel they have to feel that way. Because the last thing they want to do at this point is get caught making it this far when a lot of people thought they couldn't at times of season and get caught sort of sleeping on a team like Cincinnati, which, by the way, no one should be sleeping on Cincinnati. I'm not saying Cincinnati's winning the game. Cincinnati is a talented team. They have a great quarterback. They have great coaching. Their defense can do some things. I don't think that the Tide are wrong to be looking at them as a heavy competitor going into this game.
3: Laura, first things first, I notice everything that goes on when it comes to TV you have to be the number one person who has their hair slayed. When I mean slayed, I mean looking <laughs> amazing every time you're on the tube. Hey, so I got to give you a shout out there. First of all, Laura. I'm not
6: doing it. So I, 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 deserve no credit, but, um, you know, listen, I, I would say the <laughs> maybe the other person that deserves some credit in the hair department is our friend field. Like, have you seen his hair? Because it's always, Laura. it's always absolutely perfect too. He can maybe do some <laughs> different style. That's the only thing that we're missing out with with field I think I want to see him maybe with you know a a few different ponytails or something like that let's try that coming soon
3: (laughs) hilarious now when I ask you about Cincinnati what's one thing that you think has to happen for Cincinnati to actually beat Alabama
6: well I may sound like a you know college football coach here saying this but I I do think this is true I, I think early on They need to get some sort of big-time turnover, momentum swingers in that way. And I'm talking about their defense does something to rattle Alabama's offense. I think there are some things you can do with Jamison Williams, right? You almost look at the model that you saw. You know, with a, a team like Auburn, sort of putting somebody on him the entire time. They, they have some matchups that can work in their favor there, Cincinnati does. Try to limit the talented receiver. Don't let him go so vertical on you because without John Mechie, they don't really have a guy that can sort of be your intermediate route guy. Uh, they're going to need somebody else to step up, right? They—I I shouldn't say they don't have somebody. Alabama has plenty of players who could step up, but not as proven as mechy and not as reliable. And so, from that standpoint, I, I think if you can kind of limit Williams and sort of frustrate—I mean, he got so frustrated in that Alabama or in the Auburn game, which led to him—you know—he ended up getting ejected, but was not very effective in that game. So, I think that's a key thing. But early turnover, try to limit Williams early. Don't let them sort of take it over the top early like they did against Georgia in the SEC championship game. I think for Cincinnati, if it goes that way and they get a few other breaks, you know, stay aggressive throughout the game. Their field goal kicking situation is suspect, so you may see them go for it a lot on first down. I think they should, honestly. Um, They they could be in a competitive game late in the fourth quarter.
1: Uh, Laura, Nick Saban had a hilarious comment about how the media delivered some yummy rat poison to Alabama (laughs) uh, prior to their game against Georgia in the SEC championship, but I think it was reflective of the fact that Alabama in 2020 was the clear-cut best team with the best player in the country and Devontae Smith, the best quarterback in the country and Mac Jones, and the best of a lot of things. This year was a little bit more of a struggle to reach this point. Do you believe – Alabama had a turning point in their own minds, and so they went from a team that they knew was good to a team that potentially could be great.
6: You know, I, I actually do, and and I think field it happened in the Iron Bowl, winning mean, that game in overtime, yeah. and and people would look at that and say, well, it was Auburn, and Auburn wasn't that good, and why should you say that that would be the case? But the reality is, Auburn is a talented team. They probably didn't have the record that they would like to look back on and say they had this year, but from a matchup standpoint against Alabama and some of the guys they have on their D-line, things they can do on the edge, things that other teams can't do, they were a difficult matchup for Alabama. It was, it was kind of similar to some of the things that A&M did early on in the season that sort of set a blueprint out there to say this is how you can defend Alabama. This is how you can have success against Alabama's defense on the other side. And I, I believe that a lot of teams followed that blueprint. And Auburn really had the guys to follow the blueprint. So for them to win that game in overtime, when it seemed like they were left for dead, even the drive that Bryce Young orchestrated to get them to overtime, I I believe that was a turning point that allowed them to say, all right, we got past that super difficult game that we probably should have lost. Now we go into the SEC championship game. We have a good plan for Georgia. And, of course, beating Georgia was just what would wet this Alabama team's appetite to say, there's so much more for us down the road. Their goal, of course, is to win a national championship, as it is every single year.
3: Mrs. Laura, you know what? Forget that. I feel like I know you personally. I'm gonna call you Sus. Sus. When oh, you look it. at this matchup, I think a lot. I, I don't think a lot of people aren't talking about the matchup between Jamison Williams and Amar Gardner, and either Jamison Williams in the corner, Kobe Bryant. How do you see that matchup faring for uh, either one of those guys?
6: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to putting one of those guys or you know, sw- switching them around, whatever you got to do to keep somebody on Jameson Williams throughout this game and frustrate him. Do not let him have any opportunity to turn those wheels on and go as fast as he possibly can. I was standing on the sideline when he had that touchdown catch that was, or actually, it was the catch that led to a touchdown down the sideline at the SEC championship game. That dude is so fast. I can't. I can't even get. It's like it's not even just like you know forty yard dash time. It, it is like game speed that you just don't see that regularly. It's it's special. So, but those two that you mentioned, they can keep up with him, and I, I think that's going to be key. You got to try to limit him as much as you can, obviously. But just even having somebody on him the entire game, battling with him. That's the approach with him, and, and especially exploiting the opportunity that Cincinnati has, having a really good secondary, doing everything they can to really make sure that that's a matchup that they try to take advantage of.
1: Laura, when I think about the iconic members of the college football media besides yourself, certainly think about the likes of Kirk Herbstreit and Lee Corso on the entire set of College Game Day, and your set on SEC Nation, Tim Tebow, Jordan Rogers, Roman Harper. But really, I think about Reese Rutledge. <laughs> one of, I mean, really a savant at the at the young age of two, who has been as money with her picks as anybody I've seen in the college football media all season. I need to know the games are on Friday. I know this is not only an SEC matchup here, but are we going to get some Reese picks before Friday's action?
6: Oh yeah, Reese is Reese is picking this game, and she currently has a twelve and three record on the season. Incredible. So a lot on the line with this one, right? Um, but by the way, twelve and three it, people always say field. They're like, oh. Are you telling her what to do? I'm like, if I were telling her what to do, I wouldn't have got 12-3. and I mean, it's it's absolutely insane. She picked Alabama. It was so funny. She picked Alabama in the SEC championship game, and I was like, "Ah, maybe if I position the Georgia helmet like a little closer to her, maybe she'll go there, you know, just trying to outsmart my toddler, right? And then turns out she knew way more than I did, and she was right about Alabama as the underdog pick. So, yeah, she has picked this game. Her pick will debut sometime on Friday before the game. And it's, it's a really fun one. She had a lot of fun with this one. All
1: right, I haven't made my pick for the game, and I'm reserving the right to wait until after <laughs> Reese has made her pick. Reese and uh, Laura's husband Smart. and I are going to go to Vegas this offseason and go make ourselves some money. <laughs> Mostly Reese have making it for us. Uh, Laura, we appreciate I you getting it. up early and making some time for us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Enjoy the game on Friday, and can't wait to see you again soon back here in Bristol.
6: Yeah, thank you guys so much. Have a great day.
1: Right back to you, Laura. The absolute best. Seriously, find someone better than Laura Rutledge. You'll spend your entire time looking for that person. Uh, We're just getting started here. We still have plenty more ahead on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. And one player we really think has a chance to enhance his MVP resume as we turn back to the NFL this Sunday.
2: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
0: The Keyshawn, J. Will & Max Podcast.
6: Colts quarterback Carson Wentz has been put on the COVID-19 list. Wentz is unvaccinated, so as of now, he's out 10 days, including Sunday's game against the Raiders.
0: Frank Reich has shown that he's a coach that can get his team wound up to overcome challenges.
1: Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio. See your SiriusXM channel 80 and your smart speakers is back. Keyshawn J. Will Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. It's Field Yates and 10 year NFL wide receiver Harry Douglas filling in for the guys this morning. And, Harry, we just heard the clip yesterday from Christine Lisi on a Sports Center update about how Colts quarterback Carson Wentz had tested positive for COVID 19 as, as an unvaccinated player. Uh, That means that he is out for 10 days. That was prior to the NFL amending its protocols, which now allows for players vaccinated or unvaccinated to return after five days of quarantining, presuming one of two things. They are asymptomatic or their symptoms are lessening. The other caveat to note is that if you are a vaccinated player, you can test out of protocols sooner than five days. This could have been a much different story if not for those updated protocols here Harry but if a world exists in which the Colts don't have Carson Wentz on Sunday which would mean that he is still experiencing symptoms if he is indeed symptomatic what does it mean for the opportunity that Jonathan Taylor has to bolster his MVP resume
3: Oh I think it's I think it's a I think it's a huge huge weekend for him if 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 Carson Wentz is not be won't be able to play in that game uh, because of the simple fact that I understand they have leaned on Jonathan Taylor this entire year, right? The uh, the Colts, right? Frank Wright in the offense uh, offensive system, but with no Carson Wentz, that means Sam Ellinger would have to be the starting quarterback. Sam Ellinger, the last times, the last few times I've seen him play, which was preseason, field, three games, three interceptions. So that's not good. That's not good at all. So I think now Jonathan Taylor, if Sam Ellinger is that quarterback, I think Frank Wright is going to lean on him even more which I think Jonathan Taylor is ready for because I think he's just built like that. He's built different. He is a grown man on a mission. And if he has a – I won't say a breakout game. If he has a a game where he gets about, let's say, 150, 160, 180, 180 yards, now he's going to boost his chances of being the NFL's MVP even more because – Everybody going into a football game knows that who's ever playing the Colts, defensively, you have to stop Jonathan Taylor. The bad thing about that is that no one has been able to stop Jonathan Taylor, mm. especially down the stretch uh, with this Colts football team and, and, and the winning record that they have. Uh, what is it, the last, what, six or seven games? Well, they're nine and six now that, after that they're starting on right one now. and
1: four. So I guess the math would be eight and two yeah, over so. the last ten. They've been very impressive.
3: Yeah eight and two over the last 10 games. And Jonathan Taylor has been, uh, I won't say a big part of that. Jonathan Taylor has been all of that along with the defense. They played a role, but Carson Wentz, I think I thought last weekend, he did a tremendous job uh, extending plays, utilizing his legs and delivering a hell of a touchdown in the back of the end zone uh, against the Arizona Cardinals. If he's not able to play, I don't think they're going to be able to trust Sam Ellinger like that. And if Sam Ellinger is playing, they're going to have to give him easy completions feel easy completions early on to gain his confidence. Jonathan Taylor is going to have to understand that he's going to have, he's going to be ridden. He's going to be the bell cow. I know he's been the bell cow all year, but the bell cow at another level. The skill position players for the, for the Colts, they have to be that much better as well. They have to be great. They can't, they can't drop balls. Uh, If if Sam Elligan throws the football and it's not exactly where it's supposed to be, make a uh, a a remarkable catch. You're going to have to do that. Defensively, they're going to have to understand that, hey, we have a rookie quarterback back there we got to get some takeaways on our end. If he turns the football over, sudden change, we have to be great and either hold the opposing team to a field goal or stop them and make them punt. These are all the things that this football team, are going they're going to have to endure if they have a rookie quarterback and Sam Ellinger out there playing this weekend.
1: Yeah, it sounds like they'll have Carson Wentz. We shall see. But it sounds like that's the way that things are going. I don't know that we can underscore just how significant the changes to yesterday's protocols were for the NFL because – Essentially, what we're talking about is that if a player is on the COVID-19 list, placed on that list Monday or Tuesday of that week, he now has a real shot of playing on Sunday every game from here on out except for uh, a Monday night game in Week 17 and then two Saturday games in Week 18 plus the Super Wild Card weekend Monday night game will be played on Sunday, Harry, which means that like players are going to have a chance of returning. And it's worth noting that uh, th- there are – Of the players that are on the COVID-19 list right now, the NFL has revealed that like the overwhelming majority of them are experiencing little to no symptoms. So the fact that the NFL changed its protocols, I do think, is significant (laughs) here. I think the NFL is hoping that we're not going to be talking every single Sunday morning about how... X team is down four starting offensive linemen, three linebackers, and their punter. I think the hope is that sooner rather than later, we're not discussing COVID absence nearly as much. We have just about a minute here left in the segment, Harry. The, the Colts, are they a team, are they the team in the AFC that the top-tier division leaders don't want to face right now?
3: Um, I think they're one of them. I think they're one of them because of the physicality that they bring. They have a brand of football, and we all know um, if you're not playing at home, which the coach probably won't be doing uh, because they have to win the division – uh, most most teams in the AFC don't play in Dome. So the weather's going to be cold. The weather's going to be bad. It's going to be snowing. It's probably going to be raining. you got to deal with all those type of things, right? So what's the brand of football you have to play? You have to be able to make plays in the pass game. But, yes, you have to be dominant in the run game. And their offensive line is dominant. You have to be solid defensively. They're solid defensively. Um, the way they create turnovers. They didn't get any this past game. But turnovers are very, very important to this team and when you can give this offense an extra possession and they control the clock on the ground they have a chance in any matchup that they that, they, that they're they in
1: john madden had a major impact on football probably more than you know that's next on Keyshawn, j will and max espn radio
0: thanks for listening to Keyshawn, j will and max the podcast check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 eastern on espn radio